Disclaimer. The views expressed on this episode of Perspective Platoon with Pratik are solely the opinions of the host and the guest. The content of the conversation is not reflective of the institutions or establishments mentioned therein. Take all these opinions with a pinch of salt and a dash of lime if needed. Namaskara, good morning, good afternoon or good evening whenever you're watching or listening. My gloriously messy hair and I welcome you to the latest episode of Perspective Platoon with Pratik. This week's guest is Kriti Chaliawala. Kriti was actually uh, one of my professors at the University of Central Oklahoma and I took the introduction to psychology class with her. Um, when the concept of this podcast was in its inception, um, she was one of the people whom I had uh, listed on uh, the names of people that I'd like to talk to. And I'm really grateful that I was able to do that through this episode. Um, in this episode, we cover a wide range of topics, psychology related, and some of them do tend to get into slightly more darker places. So listener and viewer discretion is advised. Nothing else to add from my end, <laughs> other than the fact that this was a very fun episode for me to record. Uh, so without further ado, I present to you Kriti Chalyawala on this episode of Perspective Platoon with Pratik. Hey, Kriti, how's it going? Good, how are you? Doing good, doing good, doing good. Uh, before we get started, let the people know who you are, what some of your likes are, some of your dislikes, interests, aspirations, whatever you're willing to share. Well, some of you might already know me, but some of you might not. So uh, my name is Kruti Chalyawala. I am an international student, but at the same time, um, I was a adjunct faculty in psychology um, at UCL. Now I have moved to Cincinnati, Ohio, and um, to go into doctorate school. It's ha- it has been a long journey. So some of my likes, as you can see in the background, it's painting and reading, and um, it's just being creative. I like being my creative self. Dislikes, not much. If you ask me what's my favorite color, I'll say all of them except potty brown color. I hate that color. <laughs> but other than that... Um, I'm okay with anything. Um, Mm. I feel like that is my biggest strength as well, um, that I'm Mm. adaptable. I adapt in pretty much anything. Mm. Nice. That's beautiful. Uh, So, yeah, you said you've been an adjunct professor at at UCO in psychology. What what got you interested in psychology? Well, so I feel like my whole life is a mystery in itself because Mm. I never wanted to go in psychology as a undergraduate student at UCO when I was doing forensic Mm. science and criminal justice um, Mm. I took a psychology class and I hated that class I hated with all the guts that I had just because Mm. the professor did not do a good job of explaining what psychology is it was Mm. just read this textbook come to class I'll take the exam and you are done and I'm like "Uh, this does not make sense so psychology is useless Um, Mm. But then when I graduated with my uh, undergrad, they had a new program coming up, Forensic Psychology. Because I was interested in forensic, I was like, okay, I learned something new and as well as I'll do master's. So Mm. I started that program 
and started liking psychology. I was like, hey, it's not what I thought. It's, it's something that is more intriguing, more understanding of the brain and behavior um, observation. Mm-hmm. So after that, um, I got interested in psychology. And as soon as I graduated with my master's, I was looking for a job with agencies. But at that time, Oklahoma, you can say my luck again, that my, that Oklahoma decided that they are not going to hire any um, international students or any immigrants for that sake mm-hmm. um, in any mm-hmm. agencies. Because um, the story that I heard from the sheriff's office was one of the student who was an international student from India as well, they hired mm-hmm that person and that person actually stole lots of data from them. Oh, um, no. Yes, no. and sold it to another agency. So they were like, yeah, we are not doing it. We are not hiring any more mm. people. Um, mm. So I was at crossroads because, you know, being an international student, you continuously have to do something or else you have to leave the country. Um, and mm. I got a call from Platt College to come as a instructor and just show them what I have. So mm-hmm. I was one of the candidate and then there were like four people who had PhD and one person mm-hmm. who never wanted to even do teaching. I never did teaching and I was always so scared of my accent or whatever coming in front of people mm-hmm. was always not my thing. Mm-hmm. But I still went there with skepticism. I'm like, okay, whatever. What's, what's the harm? It's, it's just an interview. It's just teaching one mm-hmm. class. Um, mm-hmm. And they loved my teaching. So they hired me and mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, that is something I never observed in myself. Um, So I started teaching. And then when I taught them, so little background about Platt College, these were all the students that got second chance at life. So they were, most of them were offenders. Um, Some of them were still on payroll or probation, but they were doing Mm. this so that they can get GED and get out of the system soon. Mm, Okay. So imagine me, you know me, imagine me and five to six times bigger people in front of me. And they mm. all, some are, some were violent, some even brought knife to the class. So you oh. cannot yell at them. You cannot do much. You just have to mm. teach them what they ask. Um, but then UCO had an opening of adjunct faculty mm. for psychology. So I was like, mm, I like teaching. Let's try that. So when I started teaching at UCO, it was totally different scenario because UCO is more civilized and more undergrad students and they are younger than you or maybe same age as you. So you are like more comfortable teaching them. Mm. And that is when I found the passion of teaching. Mm. Yeah. And for those of you who probably not gathered already, I was actually one of her students. (laughs) Was it back in 2017? Yes. I want to say fall 2017, I think it was. Yeah. Yes. So that's how I was first introduced to her. But um, yeah, like, what was it like teaching people who were close to your age? Did it make it awkward in any way? Or was it just comfortable, like you said, at all times? Uh, sometimes it's awkward. Because if I tell you, Pratik, do this, but then you question mm. me, uh, we are of same age. So why are you telling me to do this? Mm. And it even gets awkwarder if you have to tell the older person, right? That, Mm. hey, do this. And they're like, "Uh, you are younger than me. How are you even telling me that? Um, Mm. But with same age, you can, um, same pop culture, same pop culture, same movies. Maybe we have watched same movies so we can connect better rather than Mm. older people or 
very young people because very young people mm-hmm. oh man tiktok no i cannot do tiktok <laughs> yeah so <laughs> some of the tiktoks i'm like uh no what are you talking about that happened in my last class that i taught before leaving at uco they were continuously talking about some tiktok person and i'm like no can we talk about something mm-hmm. else and even mm-hmm. if you talk about avengers end game mm-hmm. they are like what is that and you're like mm-hmm. okay Okay, that was awkward because mm-hmm. you feel you are old and you feel that right. they are very young. So you have to mm-hmm. somehow find that page. Mm-hmm. And how long did you teach teach at UCO? Uh, you can count five years if you do not count um, one semester in between when I was forced to leave the country because mm-hmm. of someone who cannot mm-hmm. be mentioned in public. But yes. Okay. So, uh, okay. yeah, so four and a half years. Okay, okay. And in that experience of teaching, um, I mean, where was I going with that? In the sense that, like, you've, I'm, zo- I'm assuming you've come in contact with a lot of students just like me. And um, was it that, re- like, that sense of being relatable to them that helped, like, make you a little more comfortable? Yes, yes. And I think... Psychology helped me a lot in that because mm. I had the psychology background. I knew mm. where to connect and how to connect with each person because each person mm. has different background. Each person comes from a different end. Um, and when they sit in this class, which is, first of all, it's not, some people never want to take this class because it's mm. a requirement. It's not that they are going in that major, but right. Um, I'm, I'm not being proudy or anything, but I was able to recruit so many people into psychology mm. uh, program because they all were like, oh, we never thought that psychology can be this intriguing or this interesting. Mm-hmm. It's just finding that little bit niche market or niche um, area, that gray area mm. in between where you can connect mm. with each and everyone, no matter their race, ethnicity, where they come from or what is happening but they just feel that relation that, hey, this is okay. Um, going back to international students, um, most of the international students connect better with me just because they have not seen that international student who is a student as well as a faculty at the same time. Because right. even right now when I was teaching, I was a student as well. I was mm-hmm. doing another master's in health promotion sciences. So they're like, oh, you are doing both. So you are at the both the ends. You understand both the ends. And then you can help us according to that. Mm. How much does that add to your perspective as a whole? Like being on both sides? A lot, especially with COVID-19, because um, I had so many students who came to me and they're like, our professors don't understand that because of COVID-19, we are going through so many things, but they just keep giving us homework. They just Mm. keep giving us these assignments, which are not even relatable to our life right Mm. now. And why are you not giving us that homework? I'm like, I'm on the other end as well. So I understand Mm. that when we are at home, we are much, much demotivated to do things rather than just going to college and studying and going to library or meeting with friends. So COVID-19 has been harsh on so many students, but many professors who only see black and white, they do not understand that. They have been to school like 10 or 15 years ago, so they do not understand what our culture is or what the pop culture is going, where we are going or 
um, what is our, how to say this, what is our educational values? Because that changes mm. too every time. They did mm. this maybe to earn money. We are doing this to find a better place. Or some of us are doing mm. this to just find self-esteem or self-confidence. But many professors don't understand that. And I have met those professors as a student. So mm. I try to avoid that when I teach my students. Mm. That was going to be my next question in the sense that what was it like working with them? Because also, I guess there was quite a bit of an age gap, I'm assuming, between you and a lot of the other professors who've done their masters and PhDs and et cetera, et cetera. So what was that like for you interacting with a lot of them? So, um, well, I can openly say that now. I'm not with UCO. Um, <laughs> when it comes to psychology department, um, uh-huh. Some of the professors over there, they always look down on me because they're like, oh, mm. you were our student. You were, you are younger than us and you are doing something that students are loving. So maybe you are doing it wrong. Versus mm. if you go to the health promotion side, so the health education department, kinesiology department, mm. they all understood where I came from. They all mm. understood what I'm doing and why I'm doing this and what right. is my goal. And um, most of the time in psychology department, I was told that, hey, English is your second language. You cannot teach or you have that accent that not many professors have. So students are not going Mm -hmm. to understand you. Um, Mm -hmm. Even while writing papers as a student, um, many professors told me that they're like, oh, Mm -hmm. your your grammar is not as American. And I had to tell them I was brought up in India with British English. Uh, proper grammar do we mm. want to talk about grammar yeah but when it comes to kinesiology department they all were understanding that hey she's an international student she did everything in british english at the same time she's also teaching so she had that experience as well but you never mm. i never felt that difference between a student and a professor in kinesiology department which i felt in psychology mm. department now, don't take me wrong. Not everyone in psychology department are wrong, like bad yeah. or they are all villainous, but there are few. Mm-hmm. And does that, I'm assuming that does make your job difficult? Yes, because you have to prove yourself every day. Right. Mm-hmm. You have to, uh, when you are young, especially in this field uh, of teaching, when you are young, you have to prove so much. Because you have to prove that you have the same knowledge that they have. You have that wisdom to help students move forward. Um, as well as you are there to for your students. Like right. As simple as email. I respond to my email immediately. Versus so many professors does not do not even look at their email for two days, three days. Like we don't know what they are doing. So... That connection, as well as with COVID-19, when we all went to remote working, not many professors knew how to get on Zoom or what is Mm -hmm. Zoom or how to do this video calling thing. But Mm -hmm. when you catch that, you have to continuously prove that you are a little bit of both the worlds. Like you are wise, Mm -hmm. like older people, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. when it comes to youngsters, you are perky as well. Right. But... I mean, based off of what you just said, it looks like a lot of these uh, professors and I mean, to each their own, you know, everybody has their opinion, but um, it seems like they weren't necessarily open to the fact that even a younger person can be 
knowledgeable or can be in the same environment as them does that like isn't that a sign that you don't necessarily have to be old enough to be wise you can still be wise even though you're young yes but not many people understand that right um mm. they have this preconceived notion that you have to be older um uh especially for those professors and i feel sorry for those students who sit in that professor's class because mm-hmm. these professors have already assumed that you are dumb because you are mm-hmm. young and you are a student so when you ask that professor a question that hey professor i'm not understanding this they are already going to tell you with the stereotype that hey you are young so you will not understand it and i i can share my story with you on that um when i did my masters in psychology there was this one class that we were required to take if you have to graduate so i sat in this class first day um and this professor walks in i've heard a lot of things about that professor all the nice things so obviously i'm like okay i learn a lot from this professor because this professor is nice i've i already heard um some of the horror stories too but i never believe in horror side first because i'm like maybe yeah. she failed someone and they decided to tell all that mad stories um right. so i sit in this class and because i'm an overachiever no just kidding um i usually <laughs> like to sit in the front row just because uh-huh. of my height and i i just like teach learning when i'm in the mm. front row So I said there she looks at me she's like if you are an international student I would assume and I would request you to go to the writing lab every day to learn English and I'm yeah. like uh first day not even like 10 minutes in this class and mm-hmm. you are telling me this so in future if I'm stuck somewhere I'm still a student so if I'm stuck somewhere um and i don't understand things then you are going to assume that just because english is my second language i don't understand things mm. that in my 10 years of career that was the only class i dropped mm. i never dropped a single class but that was the only class i dropped because i was like uh no it's not worth it i'm here mm. to learn i'm not here to tell other people hey judge me just because i look different or i have an accent Hmm. How does this is probably going to take a bit of a psychological turn but how does that sort of <clears throat> play out in terms of psychology because that just that approach like from a more external view seems like it's quite close minded of the fact that okay this this international student probably doesn't know how to speak english but most of us have grown up speaking english even though it's our second language so that close minded nature how does that sort of play a role in terms of psychology or what's what's the sort of psychological connection if that's a better way of putting it there is a deep connection to it because mm-hmm. you have to first we cannot i cannot judge that person just because what that person said but at the same right. time if we look at that person's background or what that person did with other students then it makes sense it makes sense mm-hmm. that yes all those horror stories were correct all that all those things that people said about that person was correct but if we look through a psychological lens then it's more like this is what i have achieved and this is who i am and you all are below me so that feeling of grandiose which usually comes with lot of education and learning and 
um, having that knowledge that other people mm. don't. But mm. if you take that professor job or if you're taking that instructor job, then you have to be more modest. You have to be more understanding that these people are coming here to learn from you because you have that knowledge, not because, oh, you are the God and that is why we are below you and we are beneath you. So mm. feeling of grandiose is one of the way that we can express that for, through a psychological lens. But again, mm. to know exactly what's going on with that person, I will be have to be friend with that person and I do not want to be. So, yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm. That's, that's fair. That's, that's fair enough. Because I've always wondered and I, I don't know personally, I mean, you've probably studied, you, of course, you've studied a lot longer over here than I have. But um, I personally feel like what you just said is more prevalent in India than it is over here. Do you think that's true? Feeling of grandiose? Yeah, like close-minded nature of professors, sort of them approaching you to be dumb at all times or like them being close-minded in a lot of ways. I have seen both the ways. So um, in India, I have done that as well. But... With mm-hmm. India, you are not labeled that you do not know that language. Mm, okay. And mm. so you might have not experienced this. And I thank God for that, that you have not experienced that. But I came here when there were not many international students at UCO. So right. they never hired those professors who were um, culturally diverse. They mm-hmm. hired most of them whites or people who were born and brought up in Oklahoma, never even stepped a foot outside Oklahoma. So they don't understand. Mm. When I came to UCO and the international orientation was done after international orientation, many students came to me and they asked me if I'm Middle Eastern. And I was like, (laughs) Middle Eastern, Mm. why? And they're like, you look similar. So is your last name Khan? And I'm like, uh, I'm not Muslim. I am not from Middle Eastern, but glad to know. Mm. And some people wondered, why am I putting Asian in my application? And I'm like, <laughs> India does fall under Asia last time I yeah. checked. But okay. So we have came a long way from that, but it's still there. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's probably because I haven't had those experiences. Yes. But that's, that's true. Um, because even... How do I put this? I think because of the generational gap, probably, and we've probably already touched on this, but because of that generational gap, I feel like there is that lack of understanding mm-hmm. of sort of seeing where people are coming from and all those sort of things, which probably leads to them being that way. But anyway, um, from your experience of being an educator do you see things getting better we are getting better but we are getting worse as well because now the tables have turned now students think that all professors should know all the things which is not going to happen right all professors are not going to be well versed and Mm. with the bgltq plus um problems going on right now it's more like Students are assuming that professors are going to know all of that. Some of these professors don't even know what BGLTQ plus is because mm. they come from that generation where right. this was not even there. So mm. they don't know how to help. But then 
On the other hand, those assumptions are making the gap wider between a professor and a student because when you assume that, but you are not ready to talk to us, then it's just mm. going to tear us apart. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so how, how do you think those uh, professors can bridge the gap with students who they might have differences with or the things that they don't necessarily understand? Um, so basically, we have to start by understanding each other. And mm. with most of the things that are going on right now, like BGLTQ+, like TikTok, I just told you that I don't like TikTok, but that does not mean that I'm going to tell my students that I don't like TikTok, so don't use TikTok. Um, right. It's just that understanding. It's same like parents and kids. Mm. It's, we are trying to make them understand about certain things and they are not understanding. Um, so just trying to reach out to that each person. Um, so one of my students shared the story in my last class that mm. um, there was a professor, white male at UCO. Mm. And his uh, he taught, I think, philosophy or ethics or something. And um, so they were discussing this topic about slavery and things. So this mm. one black male student had some questions and he raised mm. his hand and immediately the professor said that um, you should not ask questions because you are one of the slaves. Oh. Uh, yeah, so, and then that professor went ahead and also said the N-word. Uh. So um, that student came to me and that student was like, what am I supposed to do? And I'm like, uh, that goes to student conduct okay. office, not me. I, I, I have no clue. But mm. just that student feeling comfortable to talk to me and ask what they can do shows that I somehow have bridged that gap that they feel comfortable yeah. about talking about any topic. Um, mm. I had a student who um, came out to me that, oh, hey, wow. yeah, that I am this is what I feel. Is it okay to mm. feel that? My parents don't make me feel like that. And I'm like, uh, mm. it's okay. This is what you can do. From my, all the experience of psychology, I even gave options of what that person can do with the parents mm. to make them understand what is happening. And mm. then last semester, I was also sexual health ambassador. So that opened mm. up that another area for me to help my students because more and more students are coming out, more and more students are trying to understand their own sexuality and gender, which is becoming a big topic now. So mm. rather than those professors who do not understand I, and just saying that I don't understand and uh, I don't care or you, will, I'm not your mother, why are you coming to me? Just be mm. patient, listen to them and try to help them in any way. Um, like by no means I'm telling you to give you give them your phone number or home address or something like that, but right. just be like I'll be there if you need me. If mm. even if I leave this uh, campus or even if I'm at home, if you need someone to talk to, I'll always be there. Um, even mm. in your in that batch, when you were in the class, we had mm. a student who was going through divorce of parents and. Um, he was not coming to class for multiple days. So as mm. a concerned professor, I just reached out to him that, hey, what's, what's happening? We are not coming to class for certain days. And mm. he said that, can I talk to you outside class? And we sat and talked in library for an hour mm. about all these feelings that he's feeling um, mm. from the parents' separation. Um, at the same time, his girlfriend left him 
because of everything that was going on um, and his grades were dropping and he was even concerned about our class. So I just gave him extra time to finish that homework. It's just Mm. homework for God's sakes. Like many professors don't understand that, that it's an assignment. It's, it's homework. It's okay. If it's turned in late, like it, Mm. then it's, it's not something that, Oh, they're not going to learn. They will learn. Just give them time, which has changed in COVID-19, but then some professors are not ready to change in COVID-19 mm. as well because they're like, oh, this is how I teach and this is how I'm going to do whatsoever. Mm. So it's just that change, that mm. change that we all are scared of, but then right. we do not want to embrace that. Mm. Do you think that teachers, now that you've been in those shoes, do you feel like they have this sort of mental block or I don't know if mental block is the right word uh, of sort of perceiving um, everybody to be the same. Cause like, do you think that sometimes they have trouble understanding that everybody has their own sort of thing going on? Yeah. Like in terms of everybody's individual situations. Yes. Yes. And especially, so let's say I'm 60 years old and you are 18. You just came to my class. Um, throughout my life, I have, had all these preconceived notions about people, how these people are supposed to be. Um, and as soon as you walk into my class and you are like, uh, you openly tell me that your sexual orientation is, let's say, transgender. Mm. Or maybe your gender identity is transgender and you are um, gay. So mm. you are two things which I don't understand. So most of these professors, instead of researching of what is happening or what they need to learn to help the student, Mm -hmm. they immediately will like kind of cast off. So they won't talk to you much. They are like, Mm -hmm. I I don't understand you because you do not fall on this bubble, this bubble Mm -hmm. that I have, you do not fall on that radar. The spectrum is either male, either female. What is transgender? Um, if you're a male, you're supposed to marry a female. If you're a female, you're supposed to marry a male. What is happening? Right. Mm. And then especially, well, Oklahoma, it is Oklahoma. Mm. So that also does not help when it comes Mm. to teaching and, um, all those things. Mm. Um, I'm not going to name the university, but I tried to get into doctorate program, um, in Oklahoma because I did not want to leave Oklahoma. Um, So I tried there and that university asked me back if I am ready to change my religion. And I'm like, what is the problem in my religion again? Mm. So it was a conditional admission if I change my religion. Mm. So as basic as not giving the religion freedom or religious freedom or spiritual freedom to a student, we, had, we just went way ahead of even mm. giving them freedom when it comes to sexual orientation or gender identity. Mm. Wow. Wow, that's crazy, especially in 2021 or like in, the, yes. in this sort of span of few years. Wow. <laughs> I don't know what to say because I feel like I see why it is because of the place that we're in. But at the same time, I think maybe part of it is also because Oklahoma is not necessarily the 
place where a lot of international cultures sort of congregate because i feel like generally speaking when let's say a foreigner thinks about the united states um in most cases at least um you know there there's a sense of belief that okay they're open to every sort of religion yes. or every culture and things like that but then when you hear this especially in this yeah it, it just blew my mind the fact that they asked that but uh, anyway moving on from that um sort of into section of how psych- from a psychological perspective how can these slightly older people be open minded or what can help them be open minded if that's a better way of putting it helping is just hearing things out so let's talk about you and me we both came here yeah um we came from india right we came to oklahoma right. when we talk mm-hmm. to indians about indians we think of california we think of texas we think of new york we don't think of oklahoma but right. then when you came here you have you had to adapt to so many things mm-hmm. yes we both came in different years but at the same time we both had our own struggles we both yeah. learned certain things we both learned about this etiquettes that they have or this mm-hmm. language that they have or those tongue rolls or how to even say your name mm-hmm. um differently to make them understand who you are we are young so it's assumed that we are we can change but mm-hmm. then why cannot these older people do the same right if if mm-hmm. we pick one oklahoman one white oklahoman and put them in india what mm-hmm. are some of the things that they will have to learn if they keep that same mentality that when it comes to different things when it comes to bgltq plus or gender identity or um even different culture or religion or food mm. um it's most of just being open or mm. just ready to learn like learning has no cap that is what yeah. sometimes make me more angry even at my students because they are like after 25 we stop growing right i'm like uh no <laughs> you don't yeah you you have to continuously learn and unless and until you don't learn you are not going to understand new things that are happening in life even after you have your phd or even after you grow like 75 years old there are still things that are new for you because world is changing every day and mm. there are things that you have to learn every day so younger or older whoever it is they should be open to experiences um mm. and the best way to start that is with food because we all yeah. are so comfortable with our food but then yeah. when you get out of that comfort zone and you start experiencing mm. that you kind of open yourself a little bit and i have mm. i've i've done this um experiment on my now my husband but my boyfriend mm. at that time um so he went to london um and i was doing psychology at that time but i wanted mm. him to experience london as it is rather than mm. bringing all that baggage with him um mm. so i told him just try just try all the foods just try whatever it is mm. he came back completely changed person mm. because he was open to that change he was open to that experiences and that changed right. him 
to this new perspective that, hey, there are so many things in my life that I am holding myself off because I do Mm. not want to experience that. I do not want to learn that these are new things which are exciting as well. Mm. I might be butchering this word, so correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, is it neuroplasticity or... Yes, it is neuroplasticity. Okay, so that that is that whole experience of being open and sort yes. of learning and adapting. Because our bla- brain is like plastic, right? It's a plastic. Mm. You whatever you try to uh, put into it, it's going to take it, and that is why most of the psychologists, neurologists like to call brain as a plastic. Because the mm. more you take it off, or more you try to pull off, then more your brain is going to learn, the more your brain is going to expand, the more experiences it's going to take and it will understand more rather than Mm. just thinking, oh, I am 25 years old, I am done with learning and this is what I am and this is who I am and there is nothing else in this life that I can teach myself. Um, I also feel that would be a boring life if you Mm. think of that because you're not experiencing anything. You're just there. And that is why... We had so many Karens in Oklahoma during COVID-19 because they did not mm. want to wear the mask. They did not mm. understood the concept of mm. mask. Why do I need to wear mask? Uh, mm. Just hear the news. It's called COVID-19 mm. pandemic. So, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, this is, I don't know if this is an apt question to ask, but... Is it the mentality that stops someone's brain from being plastic? Or is it age that stops somebody's brain from being open or changing through neuroplasticity? I don't know if that question makes sense. It does, but both. So I have seen some young people. They obviously I've seen some young people because I teach undergrads, but yeah. these people are off. They, they, they do not even want to experience anything. So mm. when, even when I share my stories, they're like, that's unreal. That cannot happen to a human being. And I'm like, <laughs> it does because yeah. life is way more than you think. Mm. So it's not age age. Obviously age contributes a little bit when it comes to you are living this life for 75 years and then all of a sudden things change in your life and you cannot take that change or cannot adapt Mm. to that change. But then it's in younger people too, because younger generations, uh, they think the ignorance is a bliss. No, you live in this Mm. world. This is your planet as well. This is planet earth and we all live in it. So you have to be open to those experiences. Um, I had a student who recently changed to vegan and Mm. I like to ask questions. I'm like, Mm. why did you change to vegan? Mm. Oh, because they killed this uh, animals and they killed this fishes. And, um, but I'm pescatarian too. Uh, Fish is a living thing too. So either you're vegetarian or you're pescatarian, but if you're pescatarian, then you cannot say that you cannot eat chicken because they kill chicken. They kill fish too. And her mind was baffled. She's Mm. like, oh, I never thought of that. Mm. So young people, (laughs) just Mm. because we have these TikToks, I'm going to go to TikToks again. Because (laughs) these TikToks and these pop culture that we have around us, 
this uh, person that I follow started being vegan. So now I'm going to be vegan. Do you even understand mm. what vegan is and why did they change to vegan? Maybe they have lactose intolerant or maybe they have some issues. And because of that, doctor told them to turn to vegan mm. or I love fish. So I'm going to turn to pescatarian because fish are not killed. They are killed as well. Yeah. And very basically go back to your high school we all learned that ecosystem balance. If you do not eat all these things, then there is going to be imbalance in the ecosystem and then things are going to happen, which are which are also named under global warming. Mm. So when it comes to younger generation, we are ignoring lots of things mm. just based off what other people are saying. We are going to follow mm. that. And then when it comes to older people, they're like, we have lived our life this way. We do not want to change anything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, since we've mentioned TikTok a lot, for you, from your perspective, um, how does TikTok sort of affect a person's psychology? Because, like, from I, I personally am not a fan of TikTok either. I mean, <laughs> I don't use TikTok, but yeah. uh, a few reels here and there on Instagram or something I'll watch, but I don't yeah. necessarily sit and scroll through them. But... Um, from a psychological perspective, I think, at least from what I've understood, you, you're you not necessarily being, it's breaking your attention constantly, right? Because you're constantly watching things that are changing in 30 seconds or 15 seconds. Yes. So how does that affect the brain from what you know or from whatever you can explain? So TikToks, they go both the ways. So... For those people who do not have self-esteem or who are struggling with their own identity, or maybe they have gender dysphoria or maybe uh, body dysmorphic disorder, they they are gaining this confidence, which they cannot gain in real world because in real world, they are going to be judged. But with TikTok, Mm. you just make this TikTok and you let it go. Mm. Whatever people do, they do. It's out in the world. Mm. The other part of it is we have this filter named TikTok. We Mm. all act behind that. So you are going far away from reality. Mm. And COVID-19, I bring COVID-19 again because we are still in pandemic. So COVID-19, that's why many people were unable to grasp things because we are way away from reality. Those people who lost family members, they're like, oh, this cannot happen to me because I live in this bubble or I live in this filter that was full of happiness and never sadness. Mm. But then TikTok has also started this culture of how a person should look. So Mm. maybe a a female should look similar like this or do this makeup or a male should look like this or uh, this is how you do your makeup. If you do anything other than that, then you are not a good makeup person. Mm. Mm. But when we talk about TikToks and if you are continuously behind that screen and if you're continuously doing that to to get attention from other people, then in real life, when someone doesn't give you attention, that frustrates you Mm. and then then that aggression frustration cycle uh keeps on going because you're frustrated you are angry that why people are not communicating with me when Mm. i have this huge tiktok following 
But that TikTok following are also people like you who are behind that filter, who are behind that screen, and they are trying to find themselves as well. And the cycle, vicious cycle keeps on going and going. Mm. Coming to the other perspective of TikTok is we are moving way far away from our relationships because, Mm. ow, send me a picture on Instagram or we'll Zoom in today, a Zoom date. Or um, in some way, it was a blessing during COVID-19 because they were able to see family members and we were able to talk um, and we understand each other better with video cameras and what we are doing and things like that. But then when it's time to be in front of that person, you are sitting right across that person, but you are making your own TikTok. (laughs) Look at the school plays, right? Mm -hmm. I'm in the school place. I have came with my... uh, sister and this is my tiktok but your sister Mm. is right there like talk to her right there you do not need to make a tiktok at that time so we have we are using those things but then we do not know where to shut off or where to pause Mm. or where to be like this is the rule this is what we i have to do and just don't do it Mm. so and attention as you said attention Span for all of us has reduced because we all are like, oh, 10 seconds, you did not impress me. I'm going to scroll down. Mm. Two seconds. Uh, no, it is not interesting. I'm not going to even look at that picture. So our attention span is going way down than it was before. And because of that, even when, even while you are sitting here or even while you eat food, we are continuously checking our phone. Even when the TV is running on, we are watching our favorite show, but then we check our phone. Oh, did somebody post something? So that in a way is contributing to different problems psychologically psychologically as well, because Mm. our brain is not made for so much multitasking. It can do only Mm. so much at a time. And then it gets overwhelmed with anxiety and, oh, I don't look this way. Or maybe that person shared this TikTok, which is so nice. And I do not have that TikTok. So what is happening? Mm. And People are getting more and more anxious, uh, lots. So I I recently read an article after COVID-19, and I shared this with my class as well. Mm. College students are experiencing so much depression and anxiety because they do not understand this new culture of COVID-19, but at the same time, they are behind the social media, and they're Mm. like, we don't know what is real and what is not. Like, Mm. we do not know where to draw the line. So that drawing line becomes more important than any other thing right now. Mm. Mm. Any other example of you, you just mentioned earlier of somebody being with their sister, but then using TikTok. Um, Because I feel like we're we're social beings after all, right? Like, we seek that physical connection uh, in a lot of ways. But because of the sort of world that we live in, we are distancing ourselves in more ways than one. Um, do you, I mean, I've heard many schools of thought for this, but do you think that the the lack of physical attraction, or not attraction, but physical... Um, interaction. Interaction, there we go. Yes, thank you. Uh, the lack of physical interaction leads to a lot of the mental health problems that we have today. Yes, they do. But then also when we talk about school systems, um, 
there are so many horror stories going on after COVID-19 uh, that when the schools are back up, if somebody wears certain type of clothes, they are not allowed in school. If you bring certain type of food, you're not allowed in school because schools have made these rules as well, but that they don't understand those rules. They don't understand the culture that we are going on, going in. And um, going back to your question that you asked me way before, how to bridge that gap, we are actually increasing that gap continuously because all these schools have these strict uh, rules, but then they do not understand the culture mm. that these kids are right now brought up into. Mm. Next time when you go to Target for shopping, look around. If you see a single child without a phone, then that child is going to be, going to be a genius mm. because most of them are. Parents don't want kids to cry. Parents don't want kids to throw tantrums. So we immediately shove them with this huge iPad or phone. And we are like, just watch this while I'm shopping. Mm. Why can't we teach the kid that it's not okay to just grasp anything and just run? It's not mm. our shop. We have to pay for everything. That's yeah. how I was taught. Like if mm. I ever went with my dad on any shopping, if I take anything, he tells me that I have to pay for that. Are you sure you want yeah. that? Hmm. And that's how you learn to be responsible yeah. as well. That if you take something, then you have to pay for that. But now hmm. that gap is between parents and kids as well. Hmm. Or I have seen uh, lots of parents, they're on their phone while shopping. The child is throwing tantrums. The child is doing whatever. Child is just sitting in the cart. So we don't even care what the child is doing. But we are on the phone. Mm. Especially driving. Lots of parents are driving while on the phone and the child at, at the back seat is throwing tantrums. Yeah. And then this, everything becomes a developmental issue. And in future, mm. these kids become more anxious because they do not understand what is happening to them. Mm. So it's a, it's a whole generation. Like I can go on and on. It, it starts from our childhood, which right. is right now, I don't even know how these kids are going to be or what they mm. are going to learn. But then if we look at the older age, I have seen so many people who are, gracious or so many people who understand that whatever is happening is wrong but then who will listen to them because we all think mm. that they are old and they are just there mm. Mm. so it's 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 both side of the coins but then we in the middle who are educating ourselves who are understanding what is happening should be the one who should be bridging those gaps mm. Mm. if that makes sense no, that does that does that does make a lot of sense. Uh, but sort of maybe this is me playing devil's advocate in a way to what to an argument that you just made about uh, seeing a kid who doesn't have a phone that he'll probably be a genius in the future. Do you think that kids who do have phones, and of course, there's there's, there's a lot of nuance associated with this, or there's a caveat. Of course, I understand that. But do you think that? Um, it helps build awareness to certain things a little more? Yes. So if you think of conscious brain, if you think of being conscious of your surroundings, how do we learn that consciousness? How do we learn that when there is a red light, you need to stop? Hmm. You can't learn that by being on the phone. You can learn that if you are aware, if you are there. Yeah. 
coming back to phones and kids if i give the child the phone and the child is continuously watching these videos this random cartoon videos and nowadays cartoon is also weird like when i was a child i saw tom and jerry right. which was funny but yeah. it made sense um mm. but nowadays it's like i don't i don't even want to go in there because some of them are like this is for adults why are kids watching those yeah but kids are watching them so uh-huh. these cartoons they're continuously watching these cartoons and then when you give them puzzle to solve they're like what is this mm. what am i supposed to do with this so having that interaction with the kid is also losing its charm because lots of parents mm. are working parents so they do not have time they do not have time to interact with the child and when they do not have time to interact with the child they're like hey watch this and you'll be done and it will be okay so we are becoming more and more technological dependent and mm. less and less interactive and that is also contributing to their mental health because mm. these kids do not know how to interact so when they become maybe they are in their adolescence age and they are hitting that puberty but they do not know what is happening to their body and they google and they they find out that they are dying because that's what google mm. does most of the time it tells you that you are dying with all the symptoms that are going on mm. and then it gives rise to this all confusion and not understanding of what is happening and there's right. a generation gap between my parents and me and my parents don't understand what i'm doing and they don't have time for me so it's just again it's just that balance and finding that where to draw the line like Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that do not give phones to your kids give but draw that line that okay yeah. you'll have phone for certain hours but then we'll do some um we'll go to park or we'll go to do something and it will be just one on one time with me or we'll play puzzles or we'll do something but that balance is very important i think that balance is something that is missing from today's world mm no that's that's a fair argument because i think um, with a lot of things i think uh, the issue or the issue is usually the lack of balance yes. from what i mean that's just my personal sort of opinion but uh, um, in terms of being aware i mean and we've touched on this earlier with all um with, with the way society is right now with people uh, and their gender identities and so on and so forth do you think that kids of the future are I hate to say this but do you think that kids in the future might just be influenced to do a certain thing because of seeing people on social media being a certain way they still are so there are people out there who don't even know what being gay or lesbian means or being transgender means but they claim that they are just because they follow someone or they see this on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube and they're like oh this is the culture right now so i have to find myself in this culture like i have seen undergraduate students who claim that they are transgenders but then when you ask them define transgender and they have no clue so how are you transgender if you do not even know what transgender is Mm. right um but then again it's same like um 
that body shaming or body image that we have made in our society, that this is how it's supposed to be. Same way, now we are transitioning into the sexual orientation and gender identity that you have to define yourself. You have to uh, fall into one of these categories if you want people to like you. Mm. Some people are also using this as an excuse so that people feel sorry for them. Because there is so many riots and things going on with BGLTQ+, they are like, we have to fall under this category. If we do not fall under this category, then people are not going to understand who we are. Mm. So it's going to happen in all generations. It's not just this generation. Like anytime anything new happens, Mm. people are going to follow it, even if it does not resemble them. Um, Like. 10, 15 years ago when size zero came in and people are like, you have to be size zero. So mm. many girls or females were forced to be size zero, even when their body type is not like size zero, but they right. wanted to do that because mm. it's the culture. It's how you become more likable. So mm. it goes back to what likability according to you is. So mm. you want like thousand friends or you want that one friend who is always there for you, which again takes back to childhood. So how your right. parents are raising you, how your parents are interacting with you, uh, how is your self-esteem, what is your confidence? So it's almost everything that we talked about um, mm. past couple of minutes. Mm. This 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 next question is sort of maybe from an angle of evolutionary psychology because I'm 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 just I don't know much about it, but I'm very I'm curious about it. Okay. So do you think that it's um, that sort of wanting to be in groups or wanting to be around people or where you feel a sense of acceptance? Do you think that uh, that's sort of due to our evolution as humans? Yes. So if you read all the history on Darwin or whatever um, theories he had, that is what he said, that we do certain things in our life to be likable so that we can mate and reproduce and go further. Mm. But we just amplified that. Whatever Darwin said, we amplified it to other levels. So... Mm. um, Darwin said through the evolution point of view that if you want to evolve, you'll have to mate with someone faster. If you do not do that, then you, we are going to just end ourselves. But then we took it to another level by, I have this group where we all are a group because we follow, um, let's say Robert Downey Jr., we all are Robert Downey Jr. fans. And then we have these this group uh, who was the fan of um, Avengers. Mm-hmm. So it's we have amplified it in certain way. We have defined ourselves that this is the criteria if you want to be likable, which was not defined mm-hmm. by Darwin. Right, right. Which was not defined by anyone in history that if you want to be likable, if you want to be accepted, that you have to fall into these categories. But we have done that to ourselves and now we do not know how to undo it Mm. so we are forced to ask or tell our kids that it's okay who you are Uh, just get accepted we accept you we are okay with you Um, so don't feel bad but we forget that it's us 
who defined all of this, that you have to be certain way, you have to speak certain way, you have to have these etiquettes, you have to dress this way, you have to um, fall into these groups. Like um, one of my students was bullied because that student was, um, so they had some event and she was a female and never wore a dress and she was not comfortable wearing a dress. So she mm. went to this party wearing normal, formal, casual clothes. And um, she was bullied to the extent that she actually lost the self-esteem and she becomes schizophrenic. Mm. So we have defined it this way. We have made these definitions, but sometimes we also don't know how to define it. We have made these terms. Just be, just wear these clothes because you're supposed to. Uh, which rule book did said that? So, mm. um, yeah. So that student never came to the class because after that she had to be shifted to mental hospital. But mm. why are we bullying other people? Which takes me to the bullying. Right, bullying is a mm. huge thing right now. You have to be certain way if you do not want to be bullied. Why are we bullying each other? Why are we, uh, why are we in this culture where bullying is normal for some people that you can mm. bully anyone, even social media, right? That social bullying, it's, it's yeah. real. It's yeah. there. People are bullying each other digitally and that is mm. taking toll on so many people. Like no one is perfect. We all are here to learn from each other. We all are the way we are just because we are that way. Like we have to be accepting of each and everything that is going on around us. Mm. And it's just understanding that, okay, you are not same like me. So I'm going to right. try to understand who you are rather than just saying that mm. you don't belong here. Mm. Mm. That. That that anecdote that you just mentioned of a student like um, going down so far that she became schizophrenic, it's it's sort of hard to understand how, and maybe you can sort of add to this from I don't know maybe a psychological perspective if um, if there is room for it. But we all want to be treated nice, or we all want to be. Um, like we, we all want to be accepted. We all want to be treated nice. But when it comes to treating other people nice or like being good to other people, we don't want to do that. Yeah. Is does that is that a play of dominance in some way or like yeah, what is it in your opinion that sort of creates that weird imbalance? Did you ever take class with Dr. Mabry? Uh yeah, I did one class. It was um Behavioral analysis. Yeah. Okay. Crime scenes. Yeah. I did an independent study with him, also took that class. And he said something that stayed with me forever. Mm. Uh, rape is not a rape, it's just the power play. Mm. So it's not that a male is raping a female or a female is raping a male or whatever. It's. Right. Who wants to show the power and who has the ability to show that power? Mm. So it goes back to that sentence when we talk about accepting and acceptance and bullying. Mm. 
I have, let's say I am your professor. So if I come to class, I, I already have authority over you. So right. that already gave me some power over you. But mm-hmm. that never gave me power to insult you. It just gave me a power to correct your mistakes. But that balance, again, going mm-hmm. back to that balance of understanding where my line is. I, I am not given this authority that I'm going to tell you anything or say anything about you. I'm giving given this authority so that I can instruct you and uh, create this positive environment in the class to make you learn better. So it goes back to authority. It goes back to power. And it goes back to understanding that balance of where you draw the line, where what are your own personal ethics? What are your own personal morals? Which is all psychologically, how to say, convoluted within itself. Because mm. if someone had an authority over you and that person did something to you, you can go two ways. Either you are going to be, oh, that person did to me, so I'm not going to do it in future. But that person did to me, so I'm going to make sure that everyone around us, around me suffers. Mm. So it, it again goes back to each person's personality and the traits that they have and what they understand or how socially interactive they are or what do they understand about society. Because mm. society in itself is a huge term. Society Mm. for you will be different than society for me. Or if I say that um, I I go out in the society and I'm doing this, then I'm talking about a different society than the different society that you are going to. Mm. But we all want to be treated same, but then we are not creating that environment of equivalence. We are not creating that environment where we are like, it's okay. It's okay who you are, whatever you are, whatever you are doing, it's okay. And going back to authority. um, So during my career, whatever classes I took, um, even today, it is more of a, this is what I did. I'm a PhD professor. I have suffered a lot. So now you are going to suffer. Mm. You got a PhD. You suffered. Why do we want to take that further? Mm. You should be changing the trend rather than keeping that vicious cycle going on. That it's a revenge. Society did this to me. So now I'm going to take a revenge with you. Rather Mm -hmm. than that, if each and every one of us change the mentality and be like, this happened to me, it shouldn't happen to anyone else, then somehow we can break the cycle of bullying and authority and power over each other and uh, just letting other people down. Mm. Mm. For added context to those of you who are listening or watching, uh, Dr. Mabry is one of the professors in the forensic (laughs) science department in the or at UC or rather, but anyway, going to sort of, I don't know, there's this question that's popping up in my head and maybe it's because of that curiosity that I have for evolutionary psychology. Do you think that that play of dominance is more of an influence of survival of the fittest? Yes, but survival of the fittest dominance 
if if we are still talking about Darwin, then mm. it's dominance over the resources, right? And not dominance over humanity, because mm. if you have the dominance over other humans, then we are somehow going to end our own species, right? But if you have dominance over those resources, then you will be able to distribute those resources. So it it has to do with evolution, but then it again has to go with our present culture, our present mm. mindset that we are taking this dominance and just tossing and turning that dominance and changing it into authority and changing it into, oh, I can do this to you because there is no one was going to stop me it's mm. same as um police officers like police officers have dominance have authority but it's them who at the end of the day decide which route they want to go if they right. want to racially profile someone and then proceed further or they want to serve justice serving right. justice is a funny term because justice again is a broad uh, definition and each person defines justice differently. Right. Mm. Yeah, I've always wondered that, and I think it goes back to what we mentioned earlier about or what you mentioned earlier about that amplification of how we amplify everything in society based off of what we've learned or what we've sort of been given as uh, from the concept of evolution. So, um, yeah, I just find that fascinating, which is why I wanted to ask that question. Well, but, yeah, oh, since you, you, you are so much interested in evolution, let me ask you something. Mm-hmm. Darwin said, have sex so that we can have kids. How many times do we have sex? But then how many times do we have kids? So, I mean, <laughs> you're asking someone who's a virgin, so I have no clue. <laughs> okay, but so in but, a normal yeah. person's life, half uh-huh. of our life, we have sex with someone, but then right. we have kids maybe once or twice. Right. So we name sex as something that we all need. We say that mm. it's, it's evolutionary, it's important, but right. then we forget that why was it important? It was important mm. so that you reproduce. It was important right. so that the generations move forward. Mm. But again, we amplify things that are not mm. there. We like to see mm. those things that are not there um, and sometimes turn those things according to our own wish and will. Oh, mm. because I like sex, I'm going to turn it and say that yeah. Darwin said that. Darwin said, have mm. sex. Who is going to mm. say the sentence after that, that he said that have sex so that you can reproduce? Right, right, right. We sort of turned it, I mean, and again, this is coming from someone who's not done it but we've sort of turned it into a way of seeking pleasure would you say yes in a lot of ways Mm. yes 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 and i'm going to mention it i usually you mention this in my classes um that there are so many people out there who are like um again going to the pop culture tiktok everything that we have Mm. been talking about even in sex we have this preconceived notion that size matters or this person needs to be right. a certain way or the person who I'm going to have sex with is going to have these qualities because I saw that in porn. Um, but psychologically, 
and I mention this every time, that all we need is a kinky brain. Mm. You just need your brain to be kinky. If if it was not your brain that needs to be kinky, I'm sure there wouldn't be any sex toys shops mm. because those are not humans. Mm. Right. So we use those toys for our pleasure to satisfy our kinky brain. Yeah. And satisfaction is another thing that is defined differently by everyone. But again, it goes back to your brain. So when someone says that, oh, because, this comes from sexual, being sexual health ambassador. Um, mm-hmm. I went to one or two classes to give them the sex ed. And one of the students asked that, oh, but my penis size is so huge that the condom does not fit. So I'm like, <laughs> uh, no, you think it's big. Mm. it's humanly impossible to have that big penis. I'm sure you have seen it in pornography and you think that it's real, but some of the things that they show you, not real. And you have Mm. to know that difference between reality and things that are not real. And Mm. if we always needed certain type of people or we always needed these certain characteristics to have that pleasure, then masturbation wouldn't be there. There are so many things around us that we are just using it for our own good. We are like, oh, I want this girl or I want this guy or I want this animal. I don't know. Bestiality is also a thing. So yeah, unfortunately, if, <laughs> unfortunately, yes. So if if we had all these things that needs to be certain way, then these things wouldn't be there. Mm. So it comes, everything comes back to your brain being kinky and your brain being satisfied. It's not that person has big boobs or that person has big penis or small penis or whatever. Right. Do you think, because you mentioned that we all have a kinky brain to an extent, do you think that it's something that can be, for the lack of a better way of putting it, do you think that's something that can be switched on and switched off? The reason why I ask that is because coming from maybe, I guess a more religious perspective or like whatever some of these religious books might say or some religious schools of thought might say, um, you know, there is going back to what you said about like Darwin's concept of him saying that sex is important because we need to proliferate our species, not for seeking pleasure. And yes, I remember reading something similar even in the Bhagavad Gita. So, do you think that it's something that can be switched on and switched off, or is that a control based thing within your head? So, it's not. I will say it's a mixture of two things. Mm. When, Whenever we have these feelings of having sex with someone, right? Mm. If things are readily available to you, you immediately think, okay, I should have sex. It's for my own pleasure. Mm. But then let's say you are tired from a whole day, but at the same time, your brain is like, no, I need sex today. Mm. But you'd have no energy to have sex. What are you going to do? Right. You're just going to mm. sleep. You're going to be like, I, I cannot have sex today. I'm so tired. I cannot even do anything. So I'm going to sleep. So if you can sleep that day when you are tired and if you can control those feelings that day, then you can control those feelings even those days when you are like, I don't want to do it today. Right. Mm. Or uh, going back to the rape culture that is so huge in India right now. Mm. And I say it as rape culture as not a nice thing. It's something that we are trying to find 
a way off and people are like oh i just felt it and i just started doing it that is not how it is if that right. was the case then we might be animals and not human beings because mm. something that makes us superior from those animals who just reproduce who just have sex for reproduction right mm. if their purpose is to reproduce but then when we talk about human beings we can definitely control our feelings and we can definitely turn it off if we have mm. to like um so when i taught at platt college i had a um female who actually uh, attempted murder on her husband because mm. her husband uh, she was pregnant at that time and her husband cheated on her saying that because she's pregnant she cannot give him sex and that's why she, he did that mm. that child was both of yours right number mm-hmm. one number two um some males have this misconception that you cannot have sex during pregnancy that is incorrect mm. um some males think that their penis is going to touch the baby and hurt the baby uh, no you do not have that huge of a penis that it's going to touch the uterus it's not going to go right inside the uterus to hurt the baby mm. um and then cheating cheating on your significant other or boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever you are dating it's cheating is another thing that we all feel that it's very good in a way because it is more adventurous you are mm. done with the life that you are living and you want some adventure so you think that oh cheating is a way to go rather than cheating uh, i had to do cheating because it was necessary it, it, sometimes these excuses are just we are just manipulating whatever is being told in history whatever mm. was said in these books we are just manipulating in a way that can be useful to us mm. Mm. yeah that's that's definitely true cuz i think after all like it's a choice right we're making the choice of mm-hmm. you know doing cheating or whatever it is so it comes down to being able to control um eventually since we've brought india into the conversation this is something i also wanted to talk about uh, in the sense that um you're someone that's been a sexual health ambassador at uco and you even did a research study is it okay if we talk about that can we i mean yeah, yeah. if you don't want to talk about that is okay um but you did a study about uh sexual health education or what students are aware of from these parts of the world right yes uh, so yeah I, i remember taking that study and there was a lot of questions over there i was like huh you know like it's it's fascinating how a lot of these things we don't necessarily start to think about because we've been told by our parents or we've been mm-hmm. told by someone who is a figure of authority we mm-hmm. start thinking about this because of like pop culture or because of porn or because of the internet you know so like i'm not saying that you know parents should have like the birds and the bees talk like when you're 2 years old but yeah um uh, especially from a very conservative culture like india yeah do you feel like those sort of restrictive feelings towards sex or talking about sex play a huge role in a lot of indian kids or a lot of kids from that part of the world not being aware of a lot of these things yes 
Yes. Um, so I'm going to tie everything up that we have been talking about. So yeah. if we talk about psych- from the psychological perspective, then some of the psychologists believe that three years to five years of age is the best age to start talking about sex with your kids. Mm. Because they're anxious about why do I have penis? Why my sister do not have penis? Why my mother looks different? Why my father looks different? What is happening? Like, mm. why my parents don't allow me in their bedroom at night? What is happening? So these questions need to be answered at that early age. Mm. Going back to our culture, and yes, you said correct, I'm passionate about this topic. Um, And I, so it's in making, but my doctorate dissertation is going to be um, sexual health in India as well, because Mm. I want to help India, if that makes sense. We need help. Um, So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> actually in this field yeah. when we talk about this field so uh we are coming from this culture that wrote kama sutra we are the one who wrote kama sutra right. what went wrong like right. what is happening <laughs> yeah what first you write kama sutra then you decide that we are not going to talk about it mm. so in past my research has shown me that when India was invaded by Britishers, Britishers decided that they are going to stop us um, mm-hmm. from having sex in public, which is okay. They thought that it's not etiquette and things. So they played and they manipulated our Kama Sutra into saying that we are bad people. And because of that, Indians started thinking, oh, we are doing something wrong. Religiously, this is wrong. We should not take part in this. Obviously, we all know how religion influences are in India. So they took this as their way of telling people that we have authority over you and we are not going to talk about it. Mm. As a female, on one hand, you worship so many females as Devi because we have that. We, we Our right. religion, our culture has so many goddesses but then it, when it comes to menstrual cycle, we call these females impure mm. because they're like, uh, you are bleeding. Okay, if I cut you right now and if you bleed, should I run away? Because that is bleeding as well. Yeah. So it's something similar. And then when we talk about sexual experiences or talking about sex with your child, I'm not saying that have sex in front of your child and tell them what and how it is done or what it is done, but at least mm. make them aware of the thing that is happening around them. Because at right. puberty, so many kids in India go through so many things and then they start self-exploration. And when mm. that exploration starts by themselves, that is where the danger lies because mm. they're going to Google it. Maybe they're going to talk to some of their friends, their friends, got this knowledge from porn or Mm -hmm. somewhere else, even worse. And that whole process has that misconception. And why do I have so many stories? But my life is a story. So my friend in India, she got married, the youngest in our group, um, in our Mm -hmm. class. And she, so um, she went to meet this fiance of 
hers. Um, and he actually kind of raped her so that mm. he has the authority over her. He has that power over her and he forced her to marry him. And um, most of the time that is what is happening in India because we do not know what is the difference. So mm. I, I was fortunate to have a father who talked about all these topics with a girl child. And that mm. is why I knew what is going on. Um, so I told her that this is what happened with you. It is called rape. It is not called sex. And before we could know, she got pregnant and she had to marry that person. Mm. But she didn't know the difference between sex and rape. She just thought yeah. that um, it's just part of showing affection. This is not called sex. Mm. So how, where are we taking our youngsters? Like right now too, if you do not educate them, if you do not give them sex education, then this culture that we have developed in India, it's going to keep on going further and further. When I was in school, I was given sex education. My sex education had like four sentences. One sentence, <laughs> don't let a male touch you. Right. Second, um, if a male shows off certain parts of their body, not mentioned which parts. Yeah certain parts of your body, uh, then you should call cops or you should uh, get off the bus or do something. Mm. Um, always, always go in groups, never yeah. go by yourself. And the fourth one was um, males are bad. Stay away from them. Mm. That was my sex education that I got in high school. Mm. So... Possibly that is happening to so many females or males or youngsters right. in India. Mm. So going back to your question, I feel like it starts with us. It starts with you and me as well. If mm. we do not take this initiative and we do not break those barriers, not to mention if you or I are going to try to break that barrier, there are going to be so many things, political things, mm. religious things that are going to come against you. But then it's worse for me because I'm a female. I'm not supposed to talk about sex, um, which is another conception that we have in India that a female yeah. should not talk about sex. A female should not have feelings. A female should not ask for sex. A female should not even mention that, oh, I had sex. Uh, right. It's normal. Yeah. So it starts with those parents. It starts from asking the right questions as well. So to youngsters, I would say, ask the right questions and ask that question in a correct way to correct person. Do not ask mm. your friend who is a virgin, mm. who is watching porn for like 10 hours a day. I know, I, I know those males as well. Right. Who, who watch porn for 10 hours for a day and they're like, oh, this is how it, things are supposed to be. And that is another right. thing that is giving rise to marital rape. Mm, because right. you don't understand that there is a thing called consent. You need consent from the right. female to do anything with that female or a male or anything. Mm. Even, even this chair needs to tell you that, hey, I, it's okay to have sex with me. Then you can have sex with that chair. So mm. 
it, it, it starts with home. I think we all, if you and I are going to be parents someday, then we have yeah. to take that future initiative. and initiative and tell them that, Hey, this is it. This is what is happening. I know we are Indians. We are not supposed to talk, but do not mix and match religion and um, sex into things that are happening. So mm. I'm glad you brought that topic. Um, I'm too passionate about that topic, but it's 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 a huge process. It's going to take a while to even penetrate mm. any of the system and trying to make those people understand what you are trying to do. Mm. No pun intended. I don't know if you were making that as a pun, but no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, uh, no pun intended. <laughs> With the penetration. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you mentioned, you mentioned a very interesting point and... Um, we're going to sort of cap this off to transition into the latter stages of the podcast. But uh, you mentioned that very interesting point about how um, we had the knowledge of Kama Sutra, but then, you know, like after the invasion of the British and so on, like things changed. And that was the exact thought I, I had in my head and you brought it up. So you sort of answered that already. But in terms of being aware, like, and I feel like urban India is probably going to be a little more aware or like, urban India is probably going to have an approach that you and I have in terms of, okay, we need to tell our kids this. We need to make them aware at a slightly earlier age. But what do you think it will take for rural India to reach that point? I would actually like to stop you there. Rural India has more initiative than urban India. Okay. Ruler India, they are trying to have these NGOs and things that can mm. change life for females. Mm. Because when we talk about menstruation, obviously, we have to talk about females. I'm not being a feminist. I'm just right. saying things that needs to be changed. Yeah. But when it comes to urban India, we're mm. like, no, where do I draw the line? How much should I tell my kid? Mm. What am I going to tell my kid? I was never mm. told this. So what are we doing? And because of that, urban India is just letting those kids lose rather than educating them in the correct sense. Mm. Versus rural India sees the problem and they're like, Mm. oh, okay, this is what we are going to do. Mm. Because if you think of it, rural people are shifting to urban. Correct. But then when they come in this culture of this urbanism or urbanization they are like no no one talks about that over here so we are not going to talk about it mm. when it's it's more of a thing that when i'll get thirsty i'm going to dig that well mm. my kid is not asking right now so why should i do anything right yeah so it's it's more of a so uh, for my, obviously for my doctorate, I had to write a proposal and I had to do all this research and conduct a research mm. to understand even if I can dig into this hole and not fall. So right. there are so many studies they have done in Mumbai and we consider Mumbai mm. one of the most urban city in India. Right. And these college students that go to Mumbai universities, they have found out that they have close-mindedness when it comes to virginity, when it comes to um, menstrual cycle, when it comes to um, 
if a female should be a virgin or a male should be a virgin, who should be virgin when you get married? So because you oh, did wow. my survey, some of the questions actually came from that study. I mm. actually picked those questions from that Mumbai University and put that in my survey. So, yes. So um, urban, as I said earlier, youngsters, yeah. we are just ignoring. Ignorance is a mm. bliss. One day they, my kid is going to ask me. And at that time, I'll make sure I tell them, but it's too late by because the kid is never going to ask you. They are going to explore by themselves. They're going to Google. They're going to YouTube. They're going to watch porn. They're going to ask their friends, but they're not going to ask you because you never took that initiative and told them that it's okay to talk to me about your sexual health or your mm. gender identity or sex in general. Yeah. So this will be my last question about this before we head into the last few questions but um do you think that it's that openness to be willing to talk to your kids that will help change it and if so what else will probably help change that perception of ignorance towards this subject that urban india has it's a multifold answer the reason is yeah. So when you ask me those questions, I am not being shy. I'm telling you everything that I have to without, right. without thinking, oh, you are a male. Should I tell you things mm. that are happening in my life or things that I believe in because I'm a female or because I'm a female, should I talk about sex? Because according mm. to my culture, I'm not allowed. Yeah. So it's that comfortability that the parents need to have in the beginning. Are, are they comfortable talking about it? Mm. So recent Bollywood movies are trying to change that, but then they go back to those things. And mm. because of that, more and more parents are like, even Bollywood cannot talk about sex. How are we going to right. talk about sex? Mm. Right. But then we have songs like Munni Badnam. Uh, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Gandhi Bath. What is Gandhi Bath? What right. is Gandhi Bath? So we are just labeling that if you talk about sex, then it's Gandhi Bath, right? It's, it's, yeah. If you feel attraction towards a male or a female, then it's something that is wrong. Something is wrong with you. Something is happening to mm -hmm. you. Right. So, so that culture needs to change. That mm. parents, parent needs to be more comfortable about talking everything. Because if I'm your child and if I come to you to ask these questions... Do you have that knowledge to give me that knowledge? Or do you have right. whatever your parents told you or whatever pornography told you? <laughs> yeah. Going back to my teaching experience in Platt College, I taught, as I said, I taught so many people at that time. Mm -hmm. um, so I had this 45-year-old, and I shared the story. I have shared the story when you came to my one of the international student thingy that I yeah. hosted, but I'm going to do it for your audience. Yeah. Um, so 45 year old guy sitting in the class and we, I had to teach them sexual psychology as well, mm -hmm. because obviously they need to know about what is sex and what is happening and things like that. So okay. sexual psychology was one of the topic and I went in in depth to teach them everything so this guy stood up and this guy was like, so you think that my kids came from vagina? And I'm like, yeah. 
Yeah. He had no clue that there is something called vagina. He had no clue that that is where you penetrate your penis to have sex. Right. He had no clue that that is how kids come out. So, and that person ha- was Indian descent, by the way. Oh. <laughs> so. Yeah. That's now, why this, this story is coming back to me now. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Um, this person has been living in United States for so many years. And this person does not know. So when you ask me about urban India, we are still ignoring so many things that are happening. Mm. So, yeah, but hopefully, hopefully, you know, with awareness, things change and we learn something from what rural India is doing in terms of being open to the idea. Yeah. 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 Well, there's a lot of sort of, we've opened a lot of cans with a lot of worms in this episode. So I'm glad that we were able to have this conversation. Different color Uh, worms. Right, exactly. Uh, But we're going to transition into this word association game that I play on the podcast. It's it's called Bish Bash Bosh, mainly because I expect uh, guests to sort of respond to these uh, words that I give you in three words or in three phrases. Okay. So, uh, and these words that I give you are the same words that I give everybody on the who's a guest on the podcast, mainly to sort of see how we respond to the same things differently or similarly for that matter. Um, so like, for example, if I was to say the word sex, what are the three things that come to your mind? That sort of thing. Sex okay. is not the word, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, just got it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the first word is differences. What comes to your mind when I say the word differences? Us, they and them. <laughs> Oh wow, that's that's a first. Okay, cool. Uh, what's what's what are the three things that come to your mind when I say the word nuance? Us, you, and the mm. culture. Mm. Uh, three things that come to your mind when I say the word learning. Stay open. Mm. Learning never ends. Learn one thing every day. Hmm. True. Uh, the fourth word is empathy. What comes to your mind when I say the word empathy? We are losing it. Have it mm. more. Even if you are not that person, try to be that person. Mm. And for the last word for this segment, similarities. What comes to your mind when I say the word similarities? No, th- no two things are ever similar. We can just mm. say that we. I'm kinder. So similarity is kinder and similarities is for a herd of wolves, not for humans. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Cool. Well, thank you for those responses. I'm going to be a little greedy and ask you another question (laughs) in between. Uh, Could you elaborate on the us, they, them and sort of like why you chose to respond to them in that way? I'm just curious. (laughs) <laughs> what was the word at that time? It was differences. Differences, yes. So right now, differences has another meaning. So yeah. us is, when we say differences, we are using it as against. So we are saying that mm. differences, you against me, me yeah. against you. Mm. But then we want to be social. So we are like us 
against who against the whole mm. world and then right. when when we talk about gender identity lots of people are fighting for they when they say mm. i do not fall into she or he i fall into they mm. they are trying to tell you something hear that carefully mm. because mm. that's the difference that's the difference mm. are you hearing it and are you understanding what they are saying when they are saying they mm. and them is always put the perspective in a way that whatever that person thinks of you in front of you it's always going to be they it's always going to be them it's not going mm. to be us us is you and yourself and your own ethics and your own morals and if you are spiritual person then your soul of course mm mm that is that is very deep but yeah well, uh, those are great responses thank you so much for uh playing along on this segment uh, we're going to transition into the last two questions okay. the last one's not really a question but uh, the first one is how do you relate to people relating to someone is very easy what are some of the things that i can start off if i want to be friend with you maybe i bring cookies for you mm. maybe i talk about my culture relating to someone becomes easy if you are open to that person so mm. i have to be open the way you look whatever you do however you are i should be open to it right and then i can start off with almost anything i mm. can just bring half baked cookies which are taste like trash but that counts yeah because the intention yes the intention counts that person mm. is going to feel that you are trying to relate with them you are trying to understand who they are and mm. hearing just sit there and hear like okay it's okay if you don't understand it's okay if you are like oh i do not agree with this person at all but hear them out mm. and everything becomes easy and you start relating more because then you start understanding that another person and when you start under- understanding that person you start understanding what things needs to be done Mm. That's that's beautiful. And for the last question, which again is not really a question, um if you could leave us with a positive thought or a positive quote or something that you'd want people to take away uh from our conversation today, what would that be? It is going to sound very cheesy, but be yourself and stay who you are, but mm. then if you want yourself to be free you have to give freedom to other people as well mm wow i like that that is <laughs> that is really nice but i you sort of left me speechless with that because <laughs> uh, yeah i think it's it's a lot of it is give and take which we tend to forget so it's important for us to remember that so thank you for sharing that and uh thank you so much for taking the time to do this i really appreciate you taking the time to do this no problem sharing everything and for those of you listening and watching uh thank you so much we'll see you guys next time thank you for listening to this episode of perspective platoon with pratik make sure to follow kruti on her social media accounts subscribe to the podcast leave a review on the platform of your choice and follow random relatability on social media share your thoughts on the guest introduction post on the random relatability instagram page and also check the description
for other sources of information and content that we've talked about today. If you've made it this far, thank you once again. I really appreciate you listening to the entire episode and joining in on the conversation. Until next time, stay safe, take care, and don't forget to keep your mind open to different perspectives because you never know, random relatability might just be around the corner.